and welcome to None of My Friends Like Comics. This is a podcast where a comic book enthusiast talks to a newcomer about a piece of work in the medium, and we break it down to see if my friend, the first-time reader, will pull it or drop it. I'm your host, Nick Poffenbarger, and my returning co-host today is my good friend, Max Ravenscroft. What's been up, man? Hello, and um, I'd like to clarify, I was never a newcomer, and by this point, (laughs) I'm certainly not. (laughs) You've been on the most episodes. Yeah. You're still, you're always going to be a newcomer to me. Although, I mean, I might as well be. <laughs> um, so I call you a fucking, fucking noob all the my, time. I'm a fucking little baby. Little baby. Uh, I'm good. Good. Good, man. Welcome back from last time. Sla- <laughs> last time, episode 10. Yeah, I guess you were technically on the last episode. Uh, besides the little break episode that that's between those. But um, yeah, um, you ready to talk about some Marvel comics today? Old Sil Surf? Yeah, we haven't talked about a Marvel comic, me and you. No, no, actually, that's it has been mostly Batman. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no, we did talk about Marvel. We did Ant Man. Oh shit! But neither of us liked it, so we forgot about <laughs> it. Irredeemable Ant Man. Fuck! I just blocked that out of my memory. Apparently, I don't know. That's all right. Yeah, I was one that even I was just like, hey, I don't even like this. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no but. No, it was still a good talk, though. That, I think we got a lot out of that one, more than I thought we would, honestly. I think we took it a, a, a lot more seriously <laughs> than, it was, than it was meant to be. Probably, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Let's see, Well, today, um, uh, I guess we're talking about a Marvel book. Um, a very serious one. Yeah, um, uh, we're, we're talking about a four-issue miniseries from Marvel called uh, Silver Surfer Requiem. Uh, we'll get into some background information on the book real quick here. Um, uh, it is written by J. Michael Straczynski, with art by... Isad Ribich and letters by Corey Pettit. Um, also with uh, Isad Ribich. Um, excuse me if during the course of this uh, talk and this entire podcast, if I slip up and call him Ribic, because that's how I've said it forever until today when I looked up an interview with him and saw him that he pronounces it Ribich. Um, <laughs> so, is it actually is is this Riddick from the Chronicles of Riddick? Finn Diesel drew this. Yeah, that'd be funny. <laughs> but no, <laughs> but um. Yeah, I made the clouds purple. <laughs> He's drawing the shit like between like between Fast, Fast and Furious. And Furious. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, so uh, yeah, that's the that's the creative team. I'm, uh, I'll go over just kind of their general thing. I was I, gonna say real um, was, yeah, go ahead. How uncommon is it for an artist to be their own colorer? Hey, you know, in like mainstream comics, I guess I guess kind of uncommon um, for like the big two, you know, Marvel and DC. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, not a lot of people do it. I think it's just because, like, it's um, it's less like that artists don't want to do it, and more like it's a it's a time thing. The amount like, of workload. You yeah, have. yeah. Like you have less to do. Like if you don't have to also, you know, because that that was something it. that as as I've been paying more attention to who was behind the comics, mm-hmm. um, I've been surprised by how many of the the artists are just pencilers. Yeah, yeah. I always assume that, you know, if you draw it, you color it. Yeah, no, I mean, um, it's, uh, and you know, to a degree, I mean, it obviously depends on the book. It's very situational, but like, uh, I kind of like the, uh, collaborative nature of it, um, in general for like, you know, books that do have, you know, a separate colorist or a separate inker and, you know, compared to the penciler, um, just because, uh, you know, it's all this, it's all these things coming together to make like one whole. And that's, that's, that's awesome when it hits, you know, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, and you're like, oh man, 
like all the, all these people like, you know, working on this thing, like saw the vision and they made it work, you know, <laughs> that's kind of cool. But it is also cool when like you get like an artist's like full vision of it where they like do everything, you know, which is what Ribbage does. Um, uh, with the exception of the letters, obviously, but, um, yeah. So um, uh, let's talk a little bit about, uh, about the, the creative team here. Um, uh, so, uh, Straczynski, J. Michael Straczynski, JMS, uh, he's, uh, an acclaimed writer of film, comics, screenplays. Uh, he's pretty much done it all. I don't know. He's he's pretty huge. Um, the name the name is very familiar. Mostly known for creating Babylon Five. Okay. Um, uh, he also had seminal run on both Spider Man and Thor for Marvel Comics. Um, both of which are runs that I uh, really enjoy, uh, with the exception of the end of his Spider Man run. But that wasn't his fault. That his his run ended with the infamous uh, one more day the disillusion of the marriage between oh with with um mary jane mephisto <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> uh so but um he did some great stuff um i love his thor run too um isad ribic uh is a croatian artist um who you know as as you've seen now by now max who has a full-blown uh, paint style um he has uh worked on so much acclaimed marvel work that I, I personally love that it's hard to list it all here, but I will go over some highlights really fast. Uh, Thor, God of Thunder with Jason Aaron. Uh, he did the covers for Rick Remender's Uncanny X-Force, which I'm super keen on. Um, he drew the uh, locals, the local Loki series, um, which was later renamed Thor and Loki Blood Brothers, um, which was a motion comic DVD that they released um, uh, with writer Robert Roddy. Um, it's a great story really good graphic novel. Um, he's currently working with writer Kieran Gillen on the Eternals title for Marvel, which is the coolest the Eternals have ever been. And, uh, he worked, uh, with Jonathan Hickman on ultimate comics, ultimates, as well as 2015's secret wars event, the cap off to Jonathan Hickman's original Marvel universe epic and the greatest event comic in the history of event comics. Um, for no the listeners, deal. Jonathan Hickman is, is Nick's uh, boyfriend. Or he wishes he was. I sort of wish, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah. So, <laughs> well, I was but, I was gonna say, old Mister Mister Riddick. Um, <laughs> gotcha. I'm gonna I'm gonna come out swinging and say something that will probably make everyone listening mad. He's like Alex Ross, but better. Better. Yeah, I like Ooh. his style better. <laughs> I was gonna compare him to Alex Ross later, but I didn't. I did not see that coming because it's less better. It's less real. Looking. It is less real. That's true. Um, so a lot it, of people would see that as a negative, though. I like it though because I, I love Alex Ross's work. Yeah, but a lot of times you can really tell that it's like people in a studio posing. Yeah, yeah. Um, it doesn't always translate the like. Sometimes I hate that I'm trying to fucking <laughs> criticize Alex Ross right now. He's, I'm like no, he's a fucking god. No like, shade. It, like he's probably like the best comic artist ever yeah i mean he's fucking incredible and like uh but i will say one thing that ribich has on him ribich has a better sense in general not always but in general of motion on the page yeah uh, as you were saying um and i think you know think ross uses uh uh you know models and whatnot um uh, you know people posing as the characters and 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 you know to get the the real essence of like the body and everything like that. And, um, like it, it can feel like, Oh yeah, this is just a person standing there or I posing th that way. I like, think you know. what I, what I connect more with this is there's more of a sense of uh, a place that I feel from, from this work because yeah. it's not from reference. True. Yeah. Um, but also it is just 
this style is a little more ethereal and dreamy. Yeah. And that can, I, that's more to my taste. Yeah, no. And, and I, I would honestly say it's more my taste too. I just, uh, I think instinctively it's ingrained in my head from being a comic fan for as long as I have that, like, you just don't fuck with Alex Ross. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> like, Alex Ross <laughs> is the homie. He is great. He's, he's so great. And yeah, I don't know. I, w- I like I said, I was going to bring him. Rivich is like one of the only people I would compare to Alex Ross, but I never thought that you would be like, <laughs> he's bet he's better. Like, yeah, but, um, no, I could see someone liking him more though. I mean, like, you know, it's obviously when it comes down to, it, it's just a preference thing, but, uh, yeah, no, he's great. Um, we'll talk more about that here in a bit, but, um, yeah, so this story, uh, Silver Server Requiem came out, uh, from May to August monthly in 2007. Uh, it was part of the Marvel Knights imprint. And I know that, uh, I've mentioned it on this show before Marvel Knights as like a thing. Uh, but I don't think I've really ever talked about what it is. Um, so basically it was an imprint meant for standalone stories that dealt with sort of more mature themes than you'd usually get with like regular Marvel comics. Um, it wasn't quite for mature readers like Marvel Max was. It was kind of like in between those. Is it is it kind of their equivalent to Vertigo? Yes and no, but like Vertigo was more, I would say, comparable to the Max line. Really? Because like, the, yeah, because okay. they would push a lot of things. And like, I guess, you know, I guess Watchmen was Vertigo. Yeah. Like, and you see wieners. In yeah. That. Yeah. Like, it also seemingly Marvel Knights could be free, because they're standalone stories. They could be free from continuity. Although I think most of like the seminal work that came out of Marvel Knights uh, ended up being canon anyway, because you know, just most of it was a success. This was not. I had to look that up. Well, I mean, it's about the end of the Silver Surfer. Well, which- I didn't know <laughs> while I was reading it. Yeah. Spider-Man says, I never saw him again. And I was like, oh, what universe is this? <laughs> yeah, you did. No, but, <laughs> okay. So like, uh, as we said, um, up top, this is a Silver Surfer story. Uh, we have talked about Silver Surfer on this podcast before. Um, I did an episode with Brett about Silver Surfer Parable by Stanley and Mobius. It's great. Check it out. Um, but just if you haven't listened to that uh, and you don't know, Silver Surfer is a Marvel Comics character uh, quick little bio here. Service Surfer, aka Norrin Rad, is a humanoid alien from the planet Zinlaw. He was imbued with superpowers and a silver exterior shell by the cosmic entity Galactus. Probably sounds like a bunch of nonsense if you don't know what I'm talking about, but whatever. Uh, Galactus did this so that Norrin would serve as his herald, seeking out planets with enough energy to sustain Galactus's eternal hunger. So, you know, Norrin is a super powerful space energy guy who rides on a surfboard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And, and uh, eventually he broke away from serving Galactus and has had many adventures full of uh, existential philosophy and uh, trying to atone for the worlds he's helped destroy. Can I ask up top? Yes. Is the Silver Surfer um, meant to be, in most stories, is he like thousands of years old? So uh, he's he's definitely old. Um you know, uh, I, I don't know for sure if they've ever put like a stamp on it. I think there have been stories where I've read that, oh yeah, he's been around since blah, blah, blah or whatever. But like a lot of the time those are like pot, quote unquote possible future stories and things like that. So it's okay. like, it's hard to tell. Um, but, uh, they get around that. Like, um, uh, for example, the biggest, uh, the biggest and the easiest thing to point to with like, that doesn't make sense is, uh. Um, the fact that his uh, his lover Shalabal from Zenlaw is still alive, 
and uh, seemingly youthful, you know. Um, so that that was when when I got to the point where <laughs> yeah, you see Charlotte Ball, I was like, oh, I had been assuming that he was like thousands and thousands of years old. They get around that because she was also imbued with some power cosmic. Yes. And uh, also they're aliens. So we don't know how long they live technically. Um, you know, that's, <laughs> that's not a, not a great excuse. I'm not saying it's a great fucking, you know, but I mean, it know, is a comic book from the sixties. Yes. <laughs> and so, um, <clears throat> you know, uh, as we kind of said before too, um, just to wrap up the, the facts and stuff about this story and the, like, you know, before we get into it, this story uh, posits the question of what would happen if Norrin Rad, the Silver Surfer, was dying. And that's the point of the series. It would be sad. <laughs> and it would be sad. Spoilers, it would be sad. Uh, yeah, let's, uh, um, I don't know, let's let's talk about the uh, exposure to this story real quick. Um, I'll, be, I'll ask you what you, you know. Um, uh, let's start this off um, uh, kind of with what I did with Brett, but like, um, uh, what's your experience with just the Silver Surfer? Like, cause I, I don't think you said you hadn't read a silver surfer book before, right? I silver surfer is like a periphery mm-hmm. character for me. Um, <clears throat> I mean, you know, he, he was in the, the cartoons and he was in, was it fantastic four, two yes. that he was in, which he was awesome in that movie. rise of the silver surfer. He looked fucking cool. That scene Look. where he's like going down the tunnel. Oh yeah. And then he goes to the other side of the board. That was, shit was awesome. Yeah. Um, Voiced by Lawrence Fishburne, uh, played by, uh, he, it was Lawrence Fishburne. That's awesome. Lawrence Fishburne did the voice, um, but it was um, Doug Jones who who actually who mocapped yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> who mocapped him. And- so uh, we're we're talking about this earlier. Um, the way I feel about Silver Surfer is that he's always he's so enigmatic, and like he's always felt like an esoteric character to me. Yeah, that like I've always been a little nervous. Um, to to approach his stories because he feels like a a real like he's he's up there you know and there's I, a I did, pedigree yeah. like to to his character i, 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 I would is like he's a prestige marvel character i would agree um obviously there have been bad silver surfer stories or, mm-hmm. or you know objectively bad ones um there, You're not saying and there have Fantastic been. Four Rise of the Silver Surfer is bad, are you? <laughs> He's good in that. I like the Silver Surfer in that movie. But, um, you know, it's a... Uh, yeah, I mean, like, obviously there are varying degrees of Silver Surfer stories. He's been around for, you know, since the 60s at this point. So, I mean, it's, uh, you know, been almost 80 years or something. And, like, I... Or 60 years, excuse me. <laughs> but uh, he's He's always been... I think I described it to you a couple weeks ago. Like he's always been a character that seems like it's all about the cosmos and existentialism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a big theme. Um, I think uh, I think I've probably told you this before, but I know I definitely mentioned it on the episode with Brett for Silver Surfer Parable. But um, uh, you know, on the origins of uh, the Silver Surfer's voice and like how he talks and um, how his stories and his mind kind of unfolds, it's like. Uh, originated with stan lee um you know i mean he didn't invent the character actually it was an add-on by jack kirby and uh <laughs> and and stan lee was like what who, who's this guy you know or whatever why has he got a surfboard and, he was, and he's like and i just thought he was so cool like or whatever you know um but uh stan uh when when presented with the opportunity to do silver surfer on his own or to write silver surfer was when stan like really like was like 
I'm going to try like writing. Like, you I'm know, gonna, I'm going to be like, smart. Yeah. Like I, or use him as a, I'm going to use this to really say something. And he was kind of the mouthpiece for Stanley. And that was kind of like the blueprint of like silver surfers DNA, um, is the, the optimism, um, incarnate, but surrounded by like the worst parts of humanity type of thing. Like, you know, I, I, I mean, maybe I'm looking too into that. Like, I don't know how much of that I was on purpose, but that's commonly yeah. how his stories ended up even in the early days, like with the original silver surfer, uh, series, which again, I briefly talked about with Brett on that other episode, but, um, yeah, like he's a, he, I agree with you. He's, this is all just a long winded way to say that I agree with you that he, he does have a certain pedigree about him. There's, if, there's always some, there's whether it be a, you know, a band or a movie or something I know is like tailor made for me. Yeah. Um, but I also know that it's such high caliber Mm-hmm. That I'm always intimidated to uh, to watch it or listen to it or or read it, you know. Yeah. Um. And I I put it off because I'm always like, well, I don't know if I'm in the in the in the mood in to, the headspace for to it fully or something. focus and think. So then I'm like, well, I guess I'll watch a fucking Chronicles of Riddick. I'll watch Chronicles of Riddick <laughs> for the fifteenth time. <laughs> yeah. No. I I can I can completely agree with you on that, man. Like I uh. I find myself that way with a lot of things. Although, I mean, like I do eventually dive into them, but I do have to be in the right headspace for something that I feel like has a more thoughtful kind of intention behind it, I guess. And, uh, and surfer is definitely one of those. If you're talking mainstream superhero comics, mm-hmm. like, you know, I, I think he's definitely up there. Um, there's a, there's a band I love, um, that, you know, called the ruins of Beverest. Yeah. Their second album is one of, one of the best albums I've ever heard. Um, I've known about it for like 15 years since I started getting into metal. Yeah. But the songs are all like 15 minutes long and it's like really oppressive looking. And so I was just like, I'm not ready for this. Yeah. <laughs> and then when I finally bought the CD and listened to it like two years ago, I was like, oh, my God. you know, like, why did I wait so long? Yeah. But still, it is still one of those ones where I'm like, I got to be in the mood to pay attention to this. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, Yeah, it's not like I'm reading silver surfer requiem every night before bed or whatever, yeah. you know, like, but, uh, but so anyway, <laughs> I didn't, I, I know next to nothing about silver surfer. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, you know, I was thinking about that because I, I, I don't think that you had mentioned that to me that you had never read a silver surfer book before we picked this. And the, and I thought about it and I was like, Oh, we can't do death of silver surfer for, <laughs> for the first silver surfer. But the more that I thought about it, the more I was like, I practically did that. I had only read his miniseries in Annihilation, and then I read Silver Surfer Parable, and then I read this, <laughs> like all pretty back to back. And I was like, "No, nah, you can totally read this because this because this distills the character to me like pretty perfectly." And we'll we'll get into that. But um, uh, yeah. in, ter- in terms of my first exposure, I guess that was just it. What I just said was, yeah. you know, I I um I I read this pretty early in my comics reading career and. I had barely read any Silver Surfer. Like I said, I read him in the Annihilation series um, from the, you know, mid 2000s that kind of reinvigorated the Marvel Cosmic stuff. Um, I had read Silver Surfer Parable because I couldn't get a hold of the I I was the type of person back then that I, I really if I was into a character, I wanted to start from the beginning, not realizing how hard that is. <laughs> I do <laughs> for, that a lot, too, for longstanding Marvel stuff. And um, at the time, the uh, 
original Silver Surfer issues, like even the essential volumes, like which are like the black and white, like giant reprints, um, it was out of print and I couldn't get it. Like it was super expensive. And um, I think I just like researched stuff. And the reason I read Parable first was because I knew Stan Lee was the original writer. So I was like, oh, well, it's a Stan Lee Silver Surfer story. So let me read that. And I thought it was great. And then I quickly uh, found out about this one um and uh and and snatched it up um and uh yeah it's one of my still one of my favorites uh which by the way now no luck buying this book <laughs> but you can get you can get it digitally you can get the issues pretty cheap if you if you look <laughs> yeah you can get the the paper the trades yeah. or the weeklies but if you want this if you the want the trade collection. the trade or the hardcover uh pretty expensive right now yeah. How much was it when you looked? $60 for the hardcover. <laughs> and that was without the dust jacket. Damn. So <laughs> that sucks. No, but uh, <clears throat> it'll go back down maybe. Maybe they'll reprint it. That This is one that they got to reprint. This is like so like, this is mentioned on like every single like no Silver Surfer stories. <laughs> like whenever they introduce Silver Surfer into the MCU. Oh, this will have a, this will have a giant deluxe edition and I will what if, be a sucker and buy it. What if this is the first story they do? For they just adapt Silver Surfer dying, and they're like, we don't have to do any more. Part of me would like really love that, like because I'd love to see an adaptation of this. But like at the same time, it's like, yeah, that's a waste. <laughs> but but yeah, so I was just say so with this story. Um, did you have any preconceived notions on this? Because uh, did you even know that it was the death of Silver Surfer story? So what happened was you you loaned this one to me, um, and I, th- I think you'd preface it with you know this is a. This this is like a a, a a more existential like sadder one or something, and I was like, let's do that, because I think this I think this was like pretty soon after we'd done White White Knight, yeah. And you're like, do you want a lighter story? And I was like, no. <laughs> um, and then we did Irredeemable, I am yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> which stressed us both out more. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I so I, I had this sitting on my shelf for I, 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 honestly, I've had it for like three months, just yeah. sitting on my shelf, um, and I. I picked it up and I just wanted to look at the art and I opened it to the page where he says, I am dying. I am dying. Mm-hmm. And so I'd had that in the back of my head. But other than that, I didn't know anything about this story. That I'm, I'm, I'm excited to get into uh, your thoughts then as we kind of go along the story, um, because uh, I feel like it's kind of tense. Like when you don't know, because when I first read it, I didn't know either. I just knew it was like, a cool kind of what if story, you know, um, even, even though I knew it wasn't like in continuity. So like, uh, or, you know, directly in continuity. So like I had that going into it, but I did not, I feel like, you know, you're like leading all the way up. It's like, you're like, Oh, well, is he, is he going to beat it? You know, like, I mean, uh, kind of like, you know I mean? I was um, wondering bef- like, before I, I realized that this wasn't six one six. Yeah. Um, I thought like, Oh, well he's going to, he's going to be fine at the end. Yeah. And then when Spider-Man says, I never saw him, never again. saw him again. I was like, oh, he's actually going to die. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, spoilers. Oh. yeah, it's a, it's, it's a, yeah, we're going to go full spoilers here. Um, uh, I guess we just jump into the story section here. Um, this is, uh, where we recap the book in full detail to give context for our discussion here. So yeah, like uh, Max was saying, uh, be warned, full spoilers ahead. Let's get, in, let's get into let's get into it. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> that still makes me laugh. <laughs> but yeah, it's a all right, man. Um, so this story, it starts with uh, an absolutely 
uh, I just got to say right up top, beautiful sequence in which the surfer is floating in space. Just, just like doing surfer things. All inspiring. Yeah. Um, uh, floating in space, watching what he refers to as a cosmic hurricane. And uh, you immediately get this like really purple prose style monologue from the surfer himself uh, talking about like life's beginnings and endings as like the storm explodes. And um, it's very pretty and introspective, like not just in the uh, art, but um, in the, in the words. Well, and, and what it is too, is he's witnessing the death of a star. Yes. Too, yeah. Which yeah. is thematically very Relevant, important. Yeah. And, um, you know, so we get this, this nice little purple opening and uh, we cut to the Baxter building, uh, home of the Fantastic Four. And we see the thing, Human Torch and Mr. Fantastic, just kind of hanging around <laughs> doing their thing. Uh, I truly think that um, if you ever want to just explain the Fantastic Four dynamic to people who have no context, this is a great sequence. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I don't know a lot about the fan. I know enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this is, I was immediately like, like, I wasn't questioning anything. You're like, oh, yeah, you know, it's it's pretty perfect dialogue for uh for those characters, you know, and, um, uh, Johnny gets up to leave Johnny, the human torch. Uh, and he notices, uh, the surfer floating outside their window and, uh, Norin, who is the surfer, uh, wants to talk to Reed alone. Um, but he does allow Sue to be there as well. Can, um, can I interrupt really quick? Of course. Yeah. Um, that's the show. <clears throat> what I was aware of that I'm not clear on is he, so he's allowed to leave, earth yes at this point uh-huh yeah okay it's there's like a point in the comics where he has that lock lifted yes okay yeah that happens in the uh the 80s into the 90s run um wherein like he he can go and do space again yes. okay and has, I mean, cra- has crazy adventures and stuff it starts with him in space um but but yeah but he but he hangs out on earth you know he helps the earth people he's got friends there and stuff you know and uh you know he likes it he likes earth kind of <laughs> but but um, like this shit sucks yeah <laughs> but it's pretty cool yeah and i just got to say too about this this whole sequence of johnny seeing him outside the window um i love that reveal shot of the surfer outside so cool. the building uh yeah this book is full of like epic iconic shots of the surfer in particular and um this is this is the the one that we that we've done that i've just looked at the most yeah that's awesome i just i love looking at it yeah sod ribbage man he's so good like, uh, basically like we don't get that conversation. It's, it's, it's done out of sequence here, like the sequence of events. Um, but, um, we basically cut to where like Reed is performing these like painful looking tests on the surfer. And, uh, we get a conversation between Johnny and Ben that they have no idea what's going on. They just know that Sue, like Sue storm, the invisible woman can't stop crying. And, uh, they've been locked away for like days, you know? And, um, Reed ends up talking to Sue after like these days of testing. And the implication is that the results are very bad. And Norrin like knows, like he knows that, you know, it's not good. Is it typically, um, the Reed's, uh, Reed Richards, mm-hmm. Mr. Fantastic, if you will. Yeah. Describes, uh, the silver surfers, silver shell as machinery. I, so I didn't know that. I thought he was just silver. Like his body was turned into this silver thing by Galactus. Not that it was. It's like, it's like a shell thing. Yeah. I didn't know that. Put over him. Yeah. Cause sometimes that in stories, you know, he'll quote unquote lose his powers or something and he'll just turn back into normal Norrin red. Okay. (laughs) But, um, that's cool. Same green outfit and everything. That's cool that it's like, um, 
that it's it's technology. Yeah, yeah I mean, Galactus imbued it on him, you know. So I mean, neat. it's like, yeah, it's 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 a cool little like sci-fi aspect to it. And um, you know, Norin uh, at that point kind of takes the narration to recap his origin, and we get this nice retelling of him becoming the Surfer. You know, Galactus imbuing him with the power cosmic, um, him being his herald, etc. Um, there is a nice emphasis. Um, that we get from him on how he lost himself with that transformation. I was going to say, I really like that. That made me feel better about him yeah. as, a, as a, as a person. Yeah. Cause like he talks about how, like, you know, that was like the end of Norrin rad, like when he became the surfer and, um, uh, they have talked about this before, but I feel like it's just, it's presented like, and, and spoken to in an, in a very great way in this sequence like um you know because he talks about how um uh you know but coming to earth and meeting the fantastic four like brought his true self norin rad back you know like and uh that's when you know he he became himself again so is that is that the um the the first appearance of silver surfer was in fantastic four Uh uh-huh okay the galactus trilogy uh 48 49 and 50 and like so upon reflecting on this, Norin goes outside to the balcony proclaiming that, uh, you know, he's like, I, I have no regrets, you know, and uh, he talks with Reed and Sue about how he wants to take a look around his adopted home before, like, going back to Zen-Law. He wants to go back home, basically. Um, and uh, they say their goodbyes, and Reed finally tells the others, like, what happened in detail. And the the basics of it is that the surfer's outer shell, that, you know, machinery we were talking about, the silverness, um, has given him, <laughs> it's basically space cancer, from like all of his adventures and uh he has a month to live like at most and um the first issue ends with like this great quote from norin where uh he was talking to reed in private and um, i'm just going to read this real quick there, there's a few there's quite a few quotes in this one again that i would just want to read but i'm uh but he says uh i understand that on earth there are insects monarch butterflies that often live only two weeks to them two weeks is a generation so if i have but a month then I have two generations of life yet ahead of me. I am blessed, Richards. I am blessed. Thank you. I want to cry. <laughs> I will not be surprised if this is the episode where I actually cry. This is so fucking beautiful. <laughs> it is. It's. A, I, I love this, especially after the flashback of him trying to appease Galactus by saying, like, even ants have a right to life. Because it's really effective at showcasing, like, the surfer's values in like a short kind of concise way where he's talking about insects as life, like, you know, valuing like everything that can... Um, yeah, that's the end of the first issue. Like the setup, you know, is like, you know, Norrin is dying and, um, the next issue, can, uh, can we talk? Yeah, go ahead. Good. The, the final page of this issue where he says each final page is like a fucking like poster. Yes. <laughs> like where he says, my name is Norrin Rad. Yeah. I was the Herald of Galactus, blah, 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 blah. And then it's him saying I am dying three times while he's, it looks like he's like falling while riding the surfboard mm-hmm. and it's just it's so beautiful it is it's yeah. so i love it it's so good yeah it's 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 a great great image great narration it's a uh, just this creative team is like firing on all points um and uh yeah so i'm uh we, we move on to the uh next issue and it actually begins with uh peter parker spider-man and uh he's out and about trying to buy mary jane a birthday gift um uh, <laughs> and he can't afford anything which is funny you know um uh, when a, a person in a giant mech suit starts like making a ruckus in the streets, uh, Spider-Man, you know, he swings into action, uh, but is put on the ropes by the suit's weaponry. And, uh, all of a sudden the suit like stops 
like hitting him and whatnot. And the criminal is like looking up in the sky and they just see the silver surfer floating there. And again, I love this reveal of him just like floating there. It's just so cool. And like, everybody's just like in awe of him. I was surprised that like they're impl- like Peter was like going to die. <laughs> he would have gotten out of it. You know, he's, <laughs> he's always about to die, you know, but, um, uh, but yeah, so surfer basically, uh, he makes quick work of like this mech suit criminal and Spider-Man, like, it's actually pretty funny, like their their immediate interaction afterwards, because uh, he asks what what he's like. He's like, "What are you doing in this part of town?" Or he's whatever. just fucking motor mouth. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's 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 full blown like snarky Spider Man, and uh, like he's like, "What are you doing in this part of town?" And Norin just says he he's like, "I was in the area. I did what needed to be done, and now I must go." You know. <laughs> and Peter is all like, "Hey, you can't just leave after saving the city. Like we should celebrate, hang out, whatever." <laughs> you know. And uh, he's like trying to follow him up, and the surfer just keeps going higher in the sky. And is like unresponsive to him. And uh, eventually like Spider-Man actually just like yells at him. Okay. And, he, and he's like, what? He's like, you want to talk about it? Yeah. He's like, he's like, he's like, I could see. He's like, are you okay? Like something's wrong. And he's like, he's like, don't tell me nothing. Like, you know, I know, I know what nothing looks like or whatever. And, uh, um, you know, he asks if he wants to talk about it. And Norrin actually like, there's a great panel where like, he just like kind of looks down and then he's like, very well. Like, and he like slides down yeah. and then, uh, they have this like great conversation on top of this building in which Norrin tells Peter, like, you know, he's, he's like, I'm leaving. And, uh, Peter doesn't understand until he sees these, uh, black splotches on the surfer's arm. And that's kind of like indicative of like the disease or, yeah. He, know, and problem. he immediately understands like, yeah, he, he's, he's dying. He's like, okay. And, uh, I think he, as Peter even says, like, he's like, if there's something I can do and he's like, there's, there's not, you know, like yeah. I, and, uh, um, Norrin goes on to say, you know, he's like, basically been considering what he could do to leave earth in a better place, but he's like at a loss and, and he gives all the classic like existential silver surfer reasons about like the folly of man and stuff. Well, it's, and it's, it's all, I don't know if you said this is all Peter. What? Peter is the one saying all of these. Oh, well, Peter gives the scenarios, but, okay, but, yeah. but Noren's the one who's like, who's like, you get, you do this and like, you know, and you, you, you hurt each other and you create war, but like, you know, and all this stuff. And, Peter's basically like, yeah, we have a habit of, of doing that. Like, you know, and, and, and he's just like, like I said, giving all the, the folly of man, like, you know, I don't understand like humanity and all this stuff. And, uh, interestingly enough, Peter agrees with him about like humanity's shortcomings. And, uh, he goes through like various scenarios wherein Norrin could use his great power to instill change by force, but the results would just kind of make humanity end up right back where they are or worse. Um, you know, it's like all the old things. It's like, why doesn't he just like take all the world leaders and put them in a desert and eventually they'll have to work together. It's like, well then, you know, somebody worse might come in and take power and like yeah. all that. Like it's, it's just like, you know, the, the never ending cycle. And, um, I was going to ask too, like one aspect of this conversation. I mean, I think it's a good, like philosophical conversation for a silver surfer book, you know? Um, but, uh, I was going to ask what you kind of think of it because I'm always somewhat surprised when I read it, that Spider-Man, like, immediately entertains the scenarios like he's usually such a straight like filled with such straight optimism like you know this is a but this is a uh i i was really surprised at how nihilistic spider-man was being but at the same time he's not talking about it necessarily nihilistic he's like he's not saying it like well if you did this it would just do this he's he's like genuinely like positing the scenarios and he's like mm-hmm. yeah but like you know we can't do that and he's making jokes and shit like yeah, Spider-Man part does, of it but is like he is just He's like stream of consciousness talking. Yeah, yeah, which is uh, very Peter. You but know, I was like, I was surprised at at um 
Spider-Man kind of getting dark. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, he's just like really thinking about it. Like, you know, and I, and I think, a, I think you could chalk it up to like, he's talking to a guy who he doesn't know that well and he's dying and he's just kind of like, I don't know what to say, you know, like, I mean, uh, so he just motor mouths through it, but like, uh, you know, as they, as they sit and talk, um, one of my favorite moments in the book comes when Spider-Man asks Snor and he's just like, I've always wondered like why the surfboard? And this was good for me because I've always wondered <laughs> why a surfboard. Yeah. This is the best explanation anybody's ever given for this, but I'm a, uh, Norrin gives this a great response. I'll just read it here, but it's, um, it's not a surfboard. It is, there is a human phrase that covers it. Form follows function. I need no air, no food, no water. I do not need a ship to sustain me. I need only something that will carry me where I must go. And Spider-Man asks, uh, yeah, but why not a flying car or a small ship? Why aboard? To which Norrin says, imagine the depths of space, not just miles beneath, above, and beside you, but whole galaxies. Imagine standing in the limitless darkness between the stars with nothing between you and the universe. Imagine being able to move through that majesty, unfettered, unencumbered, free. The beauty, the terrible majestic beauty all around you, thus freed even once. Would you ever wish to surround yourself with a shell again and deny yourself that beauty? And then uh, this is like perfect Spider-Man yeah. to me. Yeah. He just says, like, nah, I guess not. Yeah. Well, yeah. He's, he's he, in response. Spider-Man is basically like, I couldn't imagine what that's like. And, uh, and Norrin tells him like right here, which is, is just so funny because it's such a it's such a silver surfer thing where he's just like, you know, it's it's not he's not human. So like he's just like uh, he's just like, oh, you could experience it. You want to try it? Yeah. Like he's like, you want to try it? And um Spider-Man, like, you know, doesn't give like a concrete explanation, but he's basically just like, no, I don't like what <laughs> I, don't, I don't want that, you know, and uh, and uh, he has like because Norrin's like, I have the power to invest like a small amount of the power cosmic in anybody like, you know, and you could you could feel and experience what what I have. And uh, like, yeah, Peter just doesn't want to experience that power. And uh, but he asked Norrin if uh, he'd let somebody else do it instead. And Norrin says it depends on who that person is. And uh, we, you know, time jump a little and the the panel shows him. Uh, Peter actually goes and gets MJ. There's um, you mentioned earlier that there's a really good sense of like human body movement. Yeah. With with Ribic. Ribich. Ribich. With Ribich's art. Um, and there's, I mean, the, the body language, body language of, of Peter while he, he's, he's, he's like kicking his legs. Yeah. And, and just kind of sense of motion there. He like, yeah, you can, you your mind fills in the blanks of what he's doing, mm -hmm. but there's a really tiny where Peter's is helping Mary Jane up. Oh, and she's getting up on the building yeah. and her, her headband is loose. And then in the next panel, she's fixing it. Yeah. And that's just little details like that. I love. It's really good. Yeah. And like, uh. What follows um, is basically just the whole thing where uh, he lets MJ go off with some of the power cosmic for like an hour. Um, and she can't even like describe what she saw or felt, only that it was incredible. And there's like a great panel sequence when she comes back and uh, Peter comes close to her to tell her happy birthday. And she says that she loves him. And Norrin watches them like he's like between them in the panel shot and we immediately get a panel right after that mimicking that him and his love Shalabal in the same exact positions, like him telling Shalabal that he mm -hmm. loves her. And um, I love that parallel and like how it's depicted. Um, I wanted to say, too, I really love again. This is like perfect Spider-Man. Yeah, that he you should read the JMS run. <laughs> I'm going to have to <laughs> where he says, 
I've seen plenty of incredible things. Mm-hmm. Why not let someone else do it? Yeah. That's yeah. like, he's so selfless where he's just like, man, I fucking, I've been to space. Hey, and he didn't have to pay for this one. Hell yeah. <laughs> How's he going to top that next year though? No, he won't. He won't. <laughs> I got you two packets of ramen. Yeah. <laughs> but so MJ, uh, she thanks Norin and Peter says, uh, he's like, you know what? I I've been thinking about it and I, think i figured out a way for you to leave the earth a better place and uh we get this whole sequence um in which norin uses his abilities to let every single person on earth experience that cosmic awareness for five minutes and like for five minutes the whole world is at peace for like this short amount of time and this is like the most silver surfer thing in the world it's like i it's it's a great part of the book that really distills the best aspects of Norin as a character like he has so much power and so much morality but he can't fight human ig- nature ignorance and he can't fight like the evil within the evil nature within humanity and like but he can try you know and, and that's that's what really connects me with him <laughs> like this part i'm not saying the- i'm like that i just mean like that's what i love about him you know yeah. like and uh this part of the book um i was describing this to my wife bronwyn and we actually talked about it for, for a little bit because she was like, do you think it would work? And I was like, I don't know. Spider-Man even posits that a little too, like in his narration. Because uh, we should mention too, the narration in this one switches to Spider-Man. Like he's, yeah. the, he's the narrator in this issue. But like he even says like, I don't know if it made a difference, but he did that for five minutes. And like, it's like, what he's like, can you say that you've ever done anything better? You know, like it's a, it's the idea of like, like I said, with surfer, it's like he, with all that power, everything, he can't stop those feelings of other people, the hatred of other people, but he can try. And I feel like even just this four issues being the only silver surfer I've read, I feel like I know his character deeply. Yeah. And I feel like I know that it took him interacting with like a lowly normal person Mary Jane to him to be like, Oh, I know what I can do. Yeah. Um, that, you know, as lofty as his goals are, he needs an aunt Mm -hmm. to give him perspective again. Yeah. That's it. That's a good way of putting it. And like, so at this point, like, you know, Norrin does that and, um, he, he does the five minute thing because that's all he could sustain like to do (laughs) and so you know he's kind of left weak but you know he's still kind of able to stand and peter's helping him like to his board and thanks him and uh surfer thanks him back and calls him his friend as like he rides away never to return to earth well and peter shows him his face peter does take off his mask yeah which is which is a nice like you know little moment there as well can we like talk real quick yeah how do you feel about um peter parker with black eyes (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Rivich does draw him that way. Um, uh, he he does the same thing in um uh, Secret Wars and whatnot. I don't know if Rivich's like Spider Man design is kind of weird. Like um, uh, I don't think it like looks weird or it's funky or wrong. It's it's just different, you know. And like I think it fits his art style. It's just a it is a little weird every time I see him draw Spider Man. His, his Spider Man is much more um imposing looking, yeah, and less lithe than Spider Man usually is. That's true. Yeah. Um. I don't think I prefer the black eyes, but I think it works. I think it works fine. Um, uh, it, it's just something that when I, it doesn't take me out of the book, but when I do notice it, I'm like, oh, that's weird. Black eyes. Like, I, you know? <laughs> Spider-Man is just one of those, his basic 
design is perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and whenever something, something that's not just like kind of the way his, his color, the way like the red is shaped, you know, when it's something as like dramatic as black eyes, I'm always just like, well, that's wrong. Yeah, like, that's weird. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I I don't think about it too much when I read it. Like I said, it doesn't take away from the story. It's just uh, it's just a little weird when I notice yeah. it, but it doesn't bug me. Or it is pretty cool. Either. Yeah, I mean, like you know, something different at least um, sets it apart a little bit. So, like uh, the third issue, um, this is probably the weirdest issue <laughs> in the in the series. Um, but I'm uh, so, so let me go through the first part here real quick. So, like uh, the third issue starts with Norin. Uh, kind of, he describes how uh, basically he's he's viewed Earth for like one last time. Like he went like did a, did a bunch of trips around, ended up back in New York. And um, as he's leaving, uh, Doctor Strange finds him. Doctor Strange and Surfer, just for context, to um uh, old teammate buddies on the Defenders. Okay, back in the day with the Hulk and stuff. So uh, they're they, you know they they have they have quite a bit of history beyond like. You know, like like Spider Man was saying, like they've never really interacted that much. Like Doctor Strange and, and Norin are legitimately friends. Yeah. You know, I love the line too where he <laughs> says he ends in the place where he arrived, both most recently and at the beginning. It is appropriate and right that he should now leave from this very spot. New York. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, it's really good. And like so uh Strange basically tells him that like all the most brilliant scientists and minds have come together to try to help him. Who so I see X Magneto, mm-hmm. and then is that Bruce Banner? Yes, in the middle. And who's at the bottom? Let me see. <laughs> yeah, I almost thought it was Professor X with Cerebro on. Oh no, it's a. Uh... Oh, that's his Thor. That's <laughs> Thor. He got the helmet on. I see it now. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't. I mean, is is Thor like typically a he, super the, genius? He's basically saying that like they 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 consulted Asgardian magic. Oh, okay. and like you know, they tried everything that was available to them. Basically, his 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 Stephen Strange looks like uh, John Waters. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah. So like you know, basically he's like, we tried, but we couldn't come up with anything. And, and instead, um, he gives Norin this flame, and he says it contains all of the knowledge of the world, uh, like Earth. And um, he tells Norin that it's actually split into two parts, and that which existed before Norin came to Earth, and that which was created after. That way. You know, it will be a part of him and uh, it will it, like Norin will always know what he preserved after saving Earth, which is super sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a, it's it's a nice send off between like two old friends and shows the impact of Norin on the greater Marvel universe, you know, like because I think even Str- I, didn't, I didn't quote it in here, but Strange even talks about how like, you know, a, a person is defined by like the enemies that they make. And um, and he's like, and if you're defined by that like he's like you must be a great person because mm-hmm. like he doesn't have like you know everybody likes Norin <laughs> yeah. wants and wants to help him and uh yeah I, th- I thought that was that was a nice little touch of uh and, and you know a piece of me thinks that like this issue is probably the one I have the most problems with um just in terms of like its content because uh not that I think it's bad it's this is basically spoilers this is like a 10 out of 10 series for me mm-hmm. um and this just happens to be my least favorite issue out of a 10 out of 10 series, you know, but, um, but this it's one is a little, it's, it's very different. From yeah. The rest. And so like, I, I, I wish we got more time with him saying goodbye, but at the same time, I'm like, he does need to get off earth, you know, <laughs> like if we only got two issues left or whatever. Um, and, and I, I like that Straczynski was able to distill all of that kind of emotive nature to 
everybody else in the Marvel universe, like in pretty much like five pages or whatever. Like, you know, I mean, it, it works. Um, I don't need every issue to be him saying goodbye to all of his friends, you know, but, uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's just weird how this issue split. Cause we're about to talk about what happens after that. Um, so like, can I read one more quote? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I love when he says the stars look especially beautiful tonight. I think I shall go see them now. Yeah. Goodbye. Leaves. That's, that's, so good. that's like the coolest shit you could ever say. It is. Imagine that dude. One of your fucking best friends. The last thing he ever says to you is like, I'm going to go see the stars. I'd be like, hell yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. Bye brother. <laughs> All right. So the rest of issue three can be summarized as such on his way to Zen law. Nora encounters two warring planets. Um, their two leaders summon him to a ship that they are both on, and they tell their story. Um, and basically, they are religiously driven planets who view the other as heretics because they have different gods and are in a cycle of war that has lasted for what one of them says over 50 generations. Uh, the leaders do not care as they view themselves above their people and only summon Norrin because their people begged them to, because they were like, the Herald approaches, they, he can decide, like, who is the right yeah, they, one. They've described that these these two societies, like, their entire existence has become devoted to continuing the yeah. war. Yeah, because otherwise it's like they don't know anything else. And that's how, like, people have stayed in power, like, just this endless cycle. And It's uh, surprisingly, like, you get a really deep sense of these two cultures, for just being in a few pages. Yeah. They're technically only in like half an issue. <laughs> it's really interesting how, how in depth it feels. It is. And like, and Norrin views them as the same and will not pick, uh, to which the leaders are like, fine. <laughs> we just said we'd talk to you. So whatever. And they're like, leave now. And he gets, um, he gets really pissed off. He, yeah. They say, so, oh yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm taking over. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. They say, um, he says, why are you, why are you two on the same ship? And they're like, why wouldn't we be? Yeah. We're, we're the highest of our people and they want us to live in comfort. So why not? And he's like, well, then why aren't you stopping the war? Yeah. And they're like, cause we don't got it. Like it's for lowly people. Like basically and like, he's like, he goes, <laughs> yeah. So like that's basically like before leaving Norrin furiously attacks, uh, the weapons on the warships, uh, effectively stopping the fight that is currently going on. And zippity deuce. Yeah. And like, and, and he goes to each planet and, uh, they kind of went into this when they were describing their cultures, but, um, uh, he demolishes their quote unquote sacred place, like which each planet was using as like, uh, uh, an excuse. They're like, they're like, we're in the right because our gods wouldn't let our sacred like temple be destroyed. And like, neither of them were destroyed and they just use that against each other. Cause they're like, they're like, they're like, they're heretics. They're even more heretics. Cause they're saying that's their sacred place and whatever. And Norrin destroys those places as to prove that like, neither God is on their side, basically. <laughs> like, yeah. That they've been tricked. Just, yeah. And the people of the planets rebel. And it basically ends with just like, we get like a future, like a, a person from one of those races writing that like peace has prospered for years since after the surfer died and they never saw him again. And I, I want to talk about this issue in a sort of overall way real quick, because as I already said, it's a good issue, but it feels like the weakest. And like, we just got done. This is the part that kills me. We just got done talking with Spider-Man about how forcing change doesn't work. Yeah. And, and, but it works here. Now I get the sentiment because it's more directly 
put on the leaders and it's not like it like this is clearly a different slightly different case you know i mean like mm-hmm. it, like it can be allegorical for what goes on on earth but i think the implication is that this is a lot more cut and dry than like the problems on earth and like i guess if, if i had to excuse it i could say alien culture is different in general, mm-hmm. uh, in the Marvel universe, maybe that's why Surfer is so perplexed by humanity all these years, because we're like one of the only people that have those problems. Maybe I don't know, uh, but that doesn't change that like these lessons kind of contradict each other <laughs> from the last couple issues. I I took it as he's having he's he's truly facing his death now. Yeah, and he's letting out. I mean he. He, he he may be doing something that's slightly against his values, but he's also letting out the anger that yeah. he has for. Maybe he's going through like the stages of grief or something for himself, almost. Like, yeah, but and I but I do agree. I was like, oh well, you know, he's just fucking. He's whooping ass. Yeah, and I thought the first time about. I read this, I thought he straight up like murdered all of them. And then it was like, oh, he just took out like the weapons. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's like, I was like, did he just fucking kill everybody? <laughs> like, but yeah, like it's, um, but it does backfire a little bit. Um, oh, cause and, they, and they do attack him. Yeah. No, not that they attack him, that then they start worshiping the silver surfer. They do kind of deify him. Um, um, and I, that's, he would not want that. He would not want that. They do build a statue, but I think that even that is meant to be more of like, because the, the narrator at the end seems to understand that he's not a god. They're like, mm-hmm. he set us free so that we may be at peace. And that's why they were honoring him with a statue. Not because they were like, he is the almighty, like, good one or whatever. Like, even though, again, like you're saying, I don't think so- Surfer would appreciate a giant statue of yeah. reverence to him either way. But, um, and you know, about the the contradicting lessons, I mean, like, I kind of, I've thought about this a lot, like, for this show, at least, um you know, trying to, trying to kind of come up with something to say on that. And, and maybe the contradiction is the point, like it's showing both sides or like what we were saying, um, uh, with, with his, him going through the anger process of like his grief. Um, well, here's, sorry to cut you off. Yeah. Um, the final lines of this issue where he says, if sacred places are to be safe from the ravages of war to make all places sacred. Yeah. And if holy people are meant to be kept harmless from war, make all people holy. And, I'd forgotten about that line and reading that again, that kind of, that's what surfers, that, oh, just to say that that is what surfer tells the people. Yes. <laughs> after the fact. Um, um, and that kind of recontextualizes like he was making a point. Yeah. As well. Yeah. And I, and, and I will say like, you know, um, yeah, I, I just think it's a little, it's a little weird. And I guess they're just trying to get the point across quick for the end of the issue. But like, I think it's a little weird that, this just totally works for these planets, you know, <laughs> like they're just, they're just done after that. Yeah. And of course we don't get more of the story. It's more of a generality, but it's, it's, you know, it's, it's just a little, a little, a little weird issue, uh, compared to the others. Um, but still a great issue. And, um, I will say, although I think this is the weakest of the four issues narratively, artistically, it's incredible. <laughs> like, like I said, these, you know, all the alien ships and like battle sequences and stuff, like, Ribich really gets to shine here. And I, I love how like a uh, side note, I, I love how one of the alien leaders, not the, not the snaky looking one, but the other one, uh, looks sort of similar to like a big Thor villain. He would co-create a few years later with Jason Aaron, uh, Gore, the God butcher. Really? Um, they kind of look like the same. I was going to say they look like, alien. uh, 
It looks like something from Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like that. Like, anyway, just thought it was worth mentioning, like, some thoughts on this one, since, uh, you know, it's it, this issue in particular is a lot uh, shorter to summarize than the others. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you want to move on to the last issue now? Yeah. Yeah? So, uh, on to the last issue. Um, uh, I guess we should have mentioned in the last one. So, when he attacks all those uh, ships and whatnot, they do try to fire back at him. And they even mention like how normally this wouldn't affect him, but he's in a lot of pain. He's in a lot of pain and he's hurt. So, um, uh, uh, Norrin, like the, the last issue starts, Norrin crash lands on Zen law and, uh, he's losing his silver exterior and he looks sicker and sicker. And, uh, he awakens to Shala ball by his side. And there's a, a medical physician, uh, basically saying, uh, there's nothing they can do with their sciences either. Just, just confirming that like, even Zinla, the advanced society, can cannot do anything, you know. Um, I wasn't expecting Shalabal to be a goth bay. <laughs> <laughs> Shalabal, rule 34. <laughs> Requiem version. <laughs> like, so Shalabal um, offers to transfer, uh, you know, immediately, because as I referred to earlier, how uh, she has some power cosmic in her. Um, and, uh, she offers to transfer her power cosmic to aid Norrin, uh, to which the doctor, he's like, he's like, yeah, but like that could kill you, you know? And, uh, and Norrin like pipes up at this point. He, he refuses to let her do that anyway. And he gives a great little speech here, which I'll just read. Uh, he says, listen to me though. It was a part of my decision. If you believe I came all this way just to die, then you do not understand. I came also to know that you live to see you alive so that I may carry that vision across with me when the darkness comes. When we die, we take comfort in knowing that those we love will continue for as many tomorrows as the universe can give us. It is a joy. Would you take that from me at this hour, my last source of joy? Shalabal says she, no, she's like, I couldn't. And Norin continues, uh, then live Shalabal, live for me and regret nothing because I do not regret a moment spent living for you and for our people. And, uh, yeah, this is obviously powerful and emotional, but I also love how this uh, seemingly finally gives the surfer some closure and a little bit of growth here because he's always felt guilt over his past of like being the Herald and like choosing the life that he chose. And um, it's nice to see him okay and like at peace with like everything he's done at the end, like having no regrets, you know, like he's finally like atoned, you know, for himself by his own standards. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I did want to ask real quick. Yeah. So it surprised me that Shalabal is alive and that, that like Zen Law was fine. Yeah. Why is he not, is, does he feel too much responsibility to it, not just be he, at home with his wife? So, so it's not technically his wife. <laughs> so like, uh, his GF. The, yeah. They, they were more GFBF, but like, uh, uh, common law. <laughs> well, in the classic stories, there's many reasons. Um, you know, he at some points it's like he's been gone too long and she's moved on. Um, at other points, uh, they've had disagreements in terms of like, you know, what to do or or he's he's most commonly you can chalk it up to he's felt the responsibility to go out and do what he's feels he's needed to do mm-hmm. and atone for all the bad that he feels he's done. You know, and and being Galactus's herald and whatever else he may deem the as classic, unworthy. classic, uh, the bat and the cat. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. A little, well, kind of. <laughs> no, it's exactly the same. 
Same with cooler. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I mean, this is cooler because it's it's a fucking dude who surfs the skyways. <laughs> yeah, it's badass. Nothing cooler than that. <laughs> but uh, so basically, at this point, like word spreads of Norin's return, and the people of Zen Law like gather to give thanks and say their goodbyes, and uh, they basically have him set up in like an outside hospice. And I think at, at one point the doctors are even like, you need to like withdraw. But Norin's like, no, like I let them come. And like, uh, he, he listens to the people's stories and, uh, and like the, you know, about their lives and hears about them and, you know, they give their thanks and he, he feels real comfort in that, you know, like, um, he, he did it for his people. I mean, that was his original sacrifice. So like, you know, seeing his planet prosper and all the people who have lived because of him, like it makes him happy. And, uh, uh, when suddenly, Galactus's ship appears over Zenla. And I love that devastating panel at the end of that page. It's intense. Of Norin looking up and saying, and just he's barely able to speak, and he just says no. And uh it's like just crushing and bleak. He's like reaching up to the sky as like the shadow like looms over them. And uh Norin immediately like tries to get up and he's super weak. And uh, he's like, I have to go to him. And uh, he's afraid that like Galactus has come to essentially destroy Zen Law because he's like, my deal with Galactus was he would spare Zen Law as long as I was his herald. And now that I'm dying, like he's he's coming to be a dick <laughs> and, and and destroy my planet. And Shalabal begs Nora and she's like, Dude, like, don't go there. Like, you know, and uh, but then uh, they're told by another that a message has been received from Galactus' ship across all their known communications. And it just says, Nora and Rad come forth. And uh, so Norin goes to Galactus, uh, carried by Shalabal and uh, and one of the physicians. And um, these are my favorite panels in the whole book. Yeah, and like uh, all this, it's, it's it's just all so cool looking. It is. It's so cool. And like uh, Norin goes to him, and Galactus picks him up, and he's like enraptured uh, in energy to face him. And uh, he tells Norin, uh, he's like, I don't know if I can save you but I can try. And, uh, Norin is okay with this being his time to go. And he's like, but I do have a request. And, uh, before, um, he can say anything else to Galactus, the Galactus responds with, uh, definitely my favorite quote in the book. Um, he says, I know your mind and be at ease. I will never harm Zen law or allow it to be harmed by others. I would never allow anyone to harm the world that was the heart and soul of the most honorable being I have ever known. Let go of the burden of the flesh, Norin, and be at peace. And Norin is enraptured by more energy at this point and passes away after saying, uh, I'm flying, Shalabal. Do you see me? I'm flying. I'm fucking shedding a tear. <laughs> so beautiful. And uh, the fact that, yeah, like, I, I know this is almost like, He's just, he's, he's like unbelievably a good person, but the fact that he was such a great person that Galactus was swayed by it him. It sounds so cheesy when you just say it, but it's exactly. like, it's, it's like, but, but that, that moment hits for me every fucking time. I fucking cried yesterday reading it. <laughs> I was like, like, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. That's the moment that stuck out with me most in this book too. After I, after I read it mm -hmm. the first time, it's the part that stuck with me forever. And like, uh. Yeah, I don't know. Then, it's a great sequence, and like the, ugh. but um, the the following days come, and uh, they end with a funeral for Norin on Zen Law, and um, one where Galactus is uh 
for the first time on a planet welcome as a friend. Uh, and uh, at the end of the proceedings, Shalabal requests Galactus do something to honor Norrin, and um, he abides and takes Norrin's body, and uh, basically he uh, he turns it into a star that will always shine on the dark side of Zen Law, always to comfort those in need. And um, the book ends uh, revealing that uh, this issue was narrated by uh, Uatu, the Watcher, um, who's a Marvel Comics cosmic character who does exactly that. He watches stuff, <laughs> watches important moments in history and records them for posterity. And uh, after essentially giving like a, a eulogy for, for Norrin in the monologue, um, he, uh, he simply says, uh, I only know this, that his name was Norrin Rad, once the Silver Surfer, Herald of Galactus, that his actions saved the lives of billions, that he was my friend, and that he shall be missed. And that's uh, the end of Silver Surfer Requiem. I absolutely love the, and I mentioned it earlier because of the ending, that the book begins with him watching a a star nursery, star furnace, Mm -hmm. which is the death of a star and the birth of a new one. And it ends with his body becoming that. The star, yeah. Becoming the next star. And that's... It's beautiful. So, it's so good. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then, uh, where was it? Oh, I went past it. In the hardcover you loaned me. Yeah. It has the origin, the the origin of the Silver Surfer. Yeah. Um, I I don't know if that's the original appearance of the Silver Surfer. Uh, it's his, it's the cover for his uh his first solo series. But it's redrawn by Isad Ribich. Yeah. Ribich. 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 Yeah. Um, redrawn by him and it's really cool it is cool yeah i've they seen even, i think i've seen that as a poster they even adjusted it for inflation <laughs> <laughs> to 3.99 or whatever it went from 25 cents to 75 dollars <laughs> <laughs> oh because that's for the omnibus yeah that's a that's an alternate color oh i get it yeah i get it is that the one you have right there on your shelf uh-huh yeah uh, it's not that cover though it's the original that's just a, a variant cover you can get for it but um yeah, um, so that's that's the book, man. Um, guess we can go into some overall thoughts here and wrap it up before I ask you if you'd pull it or drop it. Um, uh, I did want to ask, like, just um, after going through it, that's why I didn't want to go into it too hard before we got into the story. But I'm um, uh, as a first Silver Surfer story, what do you think? I know it's a death of, but I feel like, like I said before, it distills the character perfectly. So like. I was curious to know because this was this was not my first Silver Surfer story, but it was one of my first, and and I don't feel like it mattered that it was like the end of him. Like unquote. I said, I feel like I know the character deeply. Yeah, um, I feel like I know everything that he's about, um, and I do kind of worry that I started at the peak. Um, I think there there are there are many other great ones. Um, this might be my favorite. Or at least, um, it kind of alternates. I really love Parable. Mm-hmm. And um, there's even some stuff more recently, um, uh, a miniseries by Donny Cates called Silver Silver Black. It's really good. I don't think it's better than either of those, but but it is up there. Um, he does have a lot of great stories. Um, and uh, yeah, but you know... I could I could see that, yeah. <laughs> like because like, not every story is gonna make you feel like I would also you know this. be fine if this was the only Silver Surfer story I ever read. You yeah. Know? Like this feels like um it could be a completely standalone 
story, like a short story someone made up. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. Is I mean, th- this was amazing. Yeah. It's good stuff. And like, I guess um, I'll go into a bit more specifics here. But I'm uh, JMS or Straczynski. <laughs> but uh, Old yeah, um, he certainly has a way with uh, existential monologues. Um, what do you think about the writing overall? Um, uh, it, it's almost as if when you read it and I really think about the whole thing, I know that Noren's not narrating the whole time, but the whole thing reads almost like a eulogy, like, you know, for him, like from beginning to end, almost with all the things mm-hmm. that like the people say about him and whatnot. It's, um, it, the, the book feels like the way it's like the way it's narrated. It's like you're at his wake. Yeah. Um, I'll, it, it, this story fucked me up. <laughs> it, it like made you sad for a guy you didn't really know or, or not a real guy, but well, yeah, it like, just, it affected me greatly emotionally. And like, I don't, I don't want to get too much into how my brain works, but just a lot of the stuff that's covered in this really, um, ref- I don't, I don't know how to say it made me think a lot about how I view things. Um, it has that, there's like a, there's like a one, two punch in this story that hits you harder than I think you expect because it's like, yeah, okay. You, even if you go into this knowing like it's a story where silver, silver dies, you're like, oh, it's going to be sad. But like, there's the, the factor of like what he stands for morally and how sad that is that like the moral quandaries that he has in terms of with humanity couldn't be solved by this great person Mm -hmm. but the double of getting that layer of like people being sad that he's dying you can relate to it on a morally sad level and a um if you've ever just lost someone close to you Mm -hmm. it feels very hits home that way well so it's 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 all these things hitting you at once like at least is how i feel about it something i've I've been struggling with a lot the last couple of years is just a general uh, nihilism too. And this book is like the antithesis. Yeah. Cause you get his optimism on full display. Sometimes Um, you need that kick. I get that way a lot too. You know I mean? Like working job or whatever. And like, you know, you're just like, God, fuck everyone. Like mm -hmm. everybody sucks. Humans suck. It's like, I love the people I love, you know, family, friends, whatever. But often I, I wonder what's the point. Yeah. What the fuck is the point? And every now and then it, it sounds silly, but it's like, if I read a story like this, like it kind of, it gives me that perspective I need. I texted, um, a, a friend of ours, Josh. Um, and I was like, I just Bonhoeffer. finished. Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer. <laughs> Shout <laughs> so, out. I just finished Silver Surfer Requiem. I want to cry and rethink my own existence. Um, and he was like, sounds good. I'm going to read it this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope that if Josh read it, that he, uh, he enjoyed it. He will cry. He will cry. He will cry. I know him. You might be a monster if you don't cry reading this yeah. book. <laughs> well, and, and like I, I was telling you, um, I was reading this in the living room on the couch and I was on the last issue when uh, my wife Brown came home and she was kind of like, are you okay? And I was like, no, I want to finish reading this. Um, and then I finished it and I kind of just like sat there on the couch thinking for like 30 minutes and she was like, she was like, what's wrong? Are you all right? And I was like, I can't talk right now. Like, I'm sorry, but I, I really need to be alone. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, this, this, uh, 
This affected me quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, it has that ability. I mean, um, yeah, it's a great marriage of, you know, this creative team uh, just does a great job. And, um, you know, it's like lightning in a bottle kind of for for this, you know. Mm -hmm. It's just such a weird thing at this point, too, is a Silver Surfer story, like, kind of out of nowhere <laughs> at this point, especially one like this. Really? Yeah. I mean, like, uh, yeah, I don't know, it, it, but it's, it, it just, just works on every level. Um, I guess that kind of dovetails decently. We've talked about it already, but, um, uh, a possible point of contention for some people and for, for us now, because you said it was better than Alex Ross, but I'm, uh, uh, Rubich's art. Um, me personally, uh, I'm a total sucker for everything he does. Uh, I mean, um, I've seen work where it definitely has some faults, um, you know, or feels more rushed for mm -hmm. him. Uh, but even with the stuff that I've read of his, that's faulty. Like I appreciate the craft so much that the, the, the mess ups or whatever it may be, don't bother me. Mm -hmm. Um, like, uh, my biggest thing that I could say about this one is like Sue Storm makes a funny face at one point. Sometimes he has some goofy faces, like on regular people. I thought Doctor um, Strange's hair looked really weird. Yeah, <laughs> but like you know, it, that could be like stylistic though too. Like I mean, mm -hmm. in terms of that, but like I mean, sometimes like just his human faces can be a little weird on occasion. Not really in this book so much compared yeah. to other stuff that I've seen him. And I guess the the only other thing that I would say. Uh, the lack of focus on the surfers, quote unquote, like disease pretty much until the last issue, uh, like the th whole third issue, you don't really see like the black marks or anything. It's only really relevant in like the second issue with that Spider-Man panel. Well, I took and, it, I took it as he exerts himself so much. Yeah. Um, but I mean, also he did send the power cosmic to every human being on earth for five minutes True. And, and didn't have any, um, uh, advancement of his disease. But yeah, but this is such fucking nitpicky shit. Yeah. As I said, as I said before, like this, um, is, this is some of the most beautiful art I've ever seen. Like not just in the realm of comic books, just, just great in, yeah. in general. This is like a 11 out of 10. <laughs> yeah. Art Rip is great. He's, he's so good. I'm a, I'm a real rib head. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, uh, I, I was going to ask him, uh, it, it just in general, it doesn't have to be Marvel, uh, specific, but like, have you read any other like big like death of quote unquote comics before? Like for um, like superheroes or anything? I've read um what's the what's the Spider-Man one where Mary Jane dies from uh radioactive semen? Oh god. That's it. Okay, that's Spider-Man Rain. Yeah, I've read that. <laughs> not not quite the same. Thing. That story's fucking nuts. <laughs> um off the top of my head, I can't think of any. Yeah. I was just uh, wondering. I was just wondering because oh, if you had We anything. were just talking. I, I read the synopsis for the Daredevil End of Days. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, That's good stuff, too. I like that book a lot. Um, I like this story more than I liked what I read of that. Yeah. Um, The only reason I kind of brought it up is because, um, well, one, just to see, like, what you thought if like, how it stacked up. Because, I mean, you know, anytime you slap you know, death of, I mean, this isn't called the death of the silver surfer, but you know, whenever there's that connotation is like the premise of like a series, uh, there's bound to be like some emotional weight thrown at it, whether it's artificial or not, you know, but like, uh, I feel like this is by far the, uh, the best 
example of one of those like um, I was that saying, I've ever read. I think just the nature of the character. Yeah. I really, really, the next one that comes to mind is the death of Peter Parker in the Ultimate Universe. I have read that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, that's also really good. The um, scene. I, I, I love the, I, oh God, I forgot. I, I, the scene where he's walking with Uncle Ben. Yeah. Is yeah, into the afterlife. Yeah. It's like, that's an image that's like seared into my brain. It's the cover for the omnibus. <laughs> oh, okay. <Yeah. laughs> but like, uh, another one that really comes to mind is the death of Captain Marvel, um, by Jim Starlin. Uh, is this, is this, uh, Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel? Or no, is this the old Captain, the Marvel? old one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Captain Marvel. Um, that's a, uh, that's a great one too. Um, that's one we will probably do eventually, okay. um, as well, but, uh, on the show, but, um, yeah, I don't. This one sticks up at the top, though. It's just executed so well. Um, everything also, about it. I've read Old Man Logan. Oh yeah, yeah. Which is sort of a the yeah. death of Wolverine. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, they also have Death of Wolverine. I've too. I've also <laughs> read the Death of Wolverine. Not read it, but I've I've flipped through the pages enough to see the adamantium shell thing. Yeah. So I know what happens. <laughs> see. All right. Well, uh, I don't know. Was there anything else uh, up to, off the top of your head you wanted to get out, man? No, I mean, I even, I touched on uh, my feelings a little more than I wanted to. Hey, that's even. all right. So, you know, I mean, um, I, I fucking shed a tear reading a quote from Galactus. So, you know, <laughs> and it was, it was badass. Um, that's why it's not a visual podcast. Hell yeah. It's just me crying. I literally, you know, I've actually been crying the entire time <laughs> on every episode, but, um, all right. Well, uh, I think it's pretty obvious, but all right. Big moment. Point of the show. Max, you're going to pull it. AKA thumbs up or drop it. AKA thumbs down. Side note real quick. I just realized that have I ever, have I ever actually explained that on the show before? I did in the first episode. You did. Okay. All right. Cool. I was okay. like, for I people know- who aren't comic nerds, <laughs> here's what that means. Cause I think I took it for granted. Um, uh, I, I, I only say that now because I realized like I haven't been explaining it. And, and I realized like I put it in some of the descriptions and uh, it's in the preview episode but I'm not sure if I had ever said it on the show before. But yeah, okay. Wait, pull it or drop it, Max. Um, this is such a pull that when it is um, more economically feasible to uh, buy a copy, I will be buying my own copy. Marvel, reprint it. Please. Please. It's a great book. <laughs> I had a note in here too, uh, which I don't normally do this after you pull a drop. Uh, but I put whatever Max said, you have to read this <laughs> just in case you didn't like it. But I said, I just wanted to say this, this uh, little thing that I wrote. So, uh, this book is extremely important for me and it's important for a lot of people. Uh, this is the first comic that brought me to tears. And I think I have such an emotional, I, I think having such an emotional moment with a story like this was like a watershed moment for me. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of just assuming or reading about the diversity of comics, like this allowed me to experience a different type of story firsthand. Um, it showed me that even in the subgenre of big name superhero comics, there are limitless options. Um, I mean, anyway, it's, it's responsible for me branching out more in terms of genres, stories, like everything. And, uh, I just needed to make sure that was called out and, uh, personally give a thank you to, Straczynski and Ribich, um, for their work on this. Book. I know I'm, you know, bit honeymoon period with this story and probably sounds a little hyperbolic, but like, this is one where I wouldn't accept 
uh, negative opinions of it. <laughs> I just be like, you're wrong. I, d- I don't think I've ever heard a negative opinion about it. I mean, like, I'm sure there are people out there and this isn't a challenge for you to tell me how much it sucks. Like I, <laughs> listeners, but like, uh, you know, you'd be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like, it, yeah, I mean, like, I, I don't know. It's just great. It's very, it's a very personal story to me as well as it is to a lot of people. And um, like, it should be called the gold surfer because it, because like, like gold medal. S- yeah. Like, silver medal is less than a gold medal. We can workshop it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll definitely, definitely not that, but yeah. We'll, we'll go, we'll go to our local makerspace and kind of work on it. Go to the office. You can run it by the secretary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. All right. Well, um, yeah, there, there you have it folks. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, um, that does give me an idea. We should what? do a spinoff like a Marvel in the office where they're just like all the superheroes working at an office job together and he can be the silver secretary. <laughs> That'd be funny. Yeah. <laughs> He's just fucking putting up filing shit like lightning fast and stuff with his cosmic awareness. And he goes, he goes to pick up lunch for all of them on his surfboard. <laughs> I love that. Marvel hit me up. That would be good. I like that. I like that idea way more, but, but don't call it the golden surfer. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So, um, uh, yeah. Th- th- thanks everybody for listening. Um, so, uh, if you want to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash none of my friends like comics. That way we can continue to provide you with even more great content. It is never expected, but it is always appreciated. Um, one thing I know I haven't mentioned on the show is that if you decide to support us in this way, I'll totally give you a shout out. And Max, I told you this already, but we got our first patron. Hold on. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Studio Alliance is going nuts. No, but uh but um his name is Christian. Super cool dude. Uh Christian, just wanted to say thank you for the support. You rule. Uh side note for any one of you that is interested, I am going to be adding like tiers and and really deep dive into making the Patreon a more like you know, community based thing. Mm-hmm. Um uh to kind of make it, you know, in, in the ne- in the coming months I'll be adding some stuff and uh, and changing some stuff up so that uh you know it could be more inclusive and uh, give you more options and uh come up with some ideas for stuff that, you know, you listeners might might enjoy. Uh so be on the lookout for that and if you become a patron uh before that, you know, or, or soonish, um, uh, you can you can help me figure out what we want it to be, you know, uh, together. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, back to my uh, robotic uh, scripted outro here. So um, uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at No Comic Friends uh, for updates and posts and all that jazz. Uh, or you can email the show with your comments, opinions, and thoughts at none of my friends like comics at gmail.com. And if you mark it okay to air, we will read it on the air. We just want to get the word out about this show. So tell your friends and family who might be interested uh, to give us a listen. We are on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you on the next page. Bye.